Hello and welcome to the Bits of Balance podcast, a place where health and wellness is talked about and viewed through more than just a physical lens, but an emotional, social, spiritual, and intellectual lens as well. Over here, we believe that health-promoting behaviors should add to your life rather than take away from it. I'm your host, Jacqueline Bett, a non-diet registered dietitian to be, a certified personal trainer, and an extreme ice cream enthusiast. In this podcast, you will hear special guests and myself share our journeys and how we are working to find balance in our own lives. We will also discuss ways to ditch diet culture and find food freedom. We'll also be diving into how to discover your own healthy relationship with exercise and ways to be at peace with your body. But most importantly, I hope for this podcast to inspire and motivate you to find your own balance while practicing wellness without obsession. So let's dive in and discuss some bits of balance. Hello, and welcome back to the Bits of Balance podcast. Today, I'm coming at you with another wonderful guest episode, but first, I want to shout out another amazing reviewer from my show, Katie Hirsch. Your review made me smile, so I had to share it. She says, incredibly helpful and informative, a great message about loving your body and all that it does for you each day. As a fellow diet culture rebel, I find it so refreshing to hear someone who has a presence in the fitness and supplement community talk about such important topics. First, Katie, I absolutely love that you name yourself as a diet culture rebel. And second, I love how you touched on how important it is to integrate the topics that I speak on into the fitness community as well. I know that when I first began my Instagram account, I mainly belonged with the fitness community And none of this was being talked about. And quite honestly, I saw so many disordered practices around food and body, which I eventually and unfortunately picked up. But now that I can recognize this and bring light to these topics, hopefully I can help others maybe just to feel less alone or help inspire them or teach them things as well. But anyways, let's get into today's episode now. So today's special guest is Caroline Biddle. She's an online fitness coach, a business coach, and a RD2B. She has helped hundreds of men and women over the course of three years reach their health and fitness goals, and now she helps other aspiring fitness business owners to do the same. She is the co-CEO of Carbs and Confidence, LLC, where she empowers women to build their cake and eat it too. (laughs) I love that. She is a lover of all things dessert and sushi and is a firm mom to her kitty, Samuel. Caroline is extremely down to earth you guys and she will tell you just how it is which I love that about her because you know like why sugarcoat things right we touch on so many great topics in this episode and I think that Caroline and I are really more similar than we ever knew and to start off the episode Caroline shares a little bit about her background and how she struggled with an eating disorder in addition we talk about gut health and what influences the health of our overall guts and our gut microbiome We have both dealt with IBS, so we definitely could relate to each other here. Also in this episode, we dive into the side effects of under eating that people don't often realize and don't really talk about. There are several other topics that we cover, but one of the final topics is related to food science, which I thought was extremely interesting. We discussed how quote unquote diet foods or healthified foods on the market a lot of times aren't actually healthier for us and that they may end up doing more harm than good for our bodies. And okay, I don't want to ruin everything that we talked about. So let's just get right into the episode from Caroline. Hey, thank you for having me. 
Of course. All right. So we'll start off the show just like we usually do with a few fun this or that questions. Are you ready? Yes. All right. The first one is peanut butter or almond butter? Almond butter, 100%. Really? You're the first one that has said that. (laughs) No, it's such like a mild nut compared to peanut butter. So I feel like I'm like a nut butter queen. I love all of the flavors of them. So I feel Mm -hmm. like it's on flavor better than peanut butter. Call me Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like with the Bomar butters, I feel like there, a lot of them are almond butter based, like the different flavor ones. Yeah. So the peanut ones are like way more peanutty, but then the Mm -hmm. capsule ones are even more mild than almond butter. So I feel like almond butter is the sweet spot. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. All right. And then the next one is going out to dinner or cooking at home. It depends. It really depends. If I'm going out, I really want like pizza or sushi. So it's got to be like decadent. Otherwise, I would just rather cook. (laughs) Yeah, I feel the same way. All right. And then beach vacation or mountain vacation? Beach. Absolutely. No question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really wanting the beach right now because it's like 10 degrees and a blizzard outside. So (laughs) I live in the south and everything's iced over. So I'm not used to this. Really? What what state do you live in? Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. I heard like the Texans, they were all like freaking out about the snow because they're not used to it. And like the power was, I don't even know. Crazy. I'm used to it in Ohio, but. <laughs> um, and then the next one is, would you rather be able to read minds or fly? Fly. I don't really want to know what people are thinking about me all the time. And <laughs> everywhere so much faster. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, and then for the last one, it is, would you rather have a relaxing night in or a fun night out? Who are the people? Like, who am I going with? <laughs> um, I have anyone. To go with, then I'm definitely a homebody. Like, I love to go to bed early and just chill. But I do also love going out with my people. So it really just depends. Yeah, it, I feel like a lot of these questions can be it depends. And like, it's like, what mood are you in and who are you with? Like you said, things like that. Right. All right. Well, question, everything depends. (laughs) True. Okay. Well, I'll start off just by having you give a little introduction to who you are, what you do, and feel free to share bits and pieces of your story with like fitness, nutrition, or anything like that. So go right into it. All right. So currently I am a dietetics student. I graduate in June and then I'll be starting my internship. Fingers crossed I get all of the results back on April 5th. So I'm just waiting for that. I currently own and am co-CEO of Carbs and Confidence LLC. And we are an online fitness and nutrition coaching business. We help women all over the world reach their health and fitness goals. I am also a business coach for FTF Business Coaching. So I help women do exactly what I do. And I absolutely love everything that I'm involved in right now. Actually, how I got into this is I was an athlete my whole life growing up. So I was a gymnast, a competitive cheerleader. Then I also played soccer and volleyball. So I was kind of all over the place. But when I quit athletics, it was also at the same time that like college applications were going out. And I felt this overwhelming 
lack of stability and control in my life. And then I spiraled into an eating disorder. So I got very obsessed with the food that I was putting in my body, sort of orthorexic tendencies combined with anorexia nervosa. And I just use that to like control everything. So with the help of obviously a very supportive family, a dietitian, a psychologist, I was able to recover within like a few years. So I struggled with it for a little bit, but I used food and the gym to get stronger again, instead of from a place of say like punishment and restriction, I use it as a place to really fuel my body and honor it and stop trying to be the smallest version of myself because I realized that that was not the best version of myself. So I really did find a passion for food and nutrition and fitness. So I became a personal trainer and I started training people in college. I switched majors and career paths. I was originally a business major and then I just fell in love with what I was doing. So I transferred careers, majors, transferred schools. And yeah, now here I am today and I get to do what I love every single day. That's awesome. Yeah, I relate to a lot of what you were saying right there. And thanks for sharing all of that. I, well, first off, I was a competitive gymnast growing up for a while. And then I transitioned into playing soccer and basketball. So just not soccer and volleyball, but um, yeah. And like you said, with the the like really the want for control I think and something that you can control especially like like when you go off to college and you're kind of like on your own right away like you basically can control what you put in your body you can control how much you work out and things like that and just the transition of your mindset is like amazing I think and yeah like using fitness as a way to become stronger and like empower you rather than shrink your body or become like the smallest you and things like that And so I also just saw on your Instagram story. So I know we're kind of on the topic of food and nutrition. We're both in dietetics. So on your story that you're currently like on a low FODMAP diet. So can you maybe just explain to my listeners like what that is and why you had to go on that? Yeah. So FODMAP, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. It stands for fructans, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, I forgot what the A is, but polyols. And it's basically a bunch of scientific words for a bunch of different carbohydrate sources that are in your food. And with IBS, foods that are medium to high FODMAP in differing amounts can kind of set your symptoms off. I was diagnosed with IBS in 2018 and I was just kind of given glorified laxatives and a gut muscle for like managing symptoms. And recently I've been having really bad flare-ups and symptoms. So I went back to the GI doctor and he's like, all right, it's probably time that we do an elimination diet. So that's what low going low FODMAP is, is you get rid of all those high FODMAP foods and kind of figure out what your gut can handle, what actually sets your gut off um, different types of foods. So like maybe it's fructans that sets your gut off. Maybe it's polyols, different things like that. So that you can one, learn more about your gut and then two, kind of give it a little bit of a reset, a little bit of a break mm-hmm. so you can actually figure out what your gut needs and what is going on. So yeah, combined with that and then really like mitigating my stress because like I mentioned earlier, I'm a busy body. I have a lot of fun, <laughs> but I love what I do. So it's more so making time for myself and my body as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I feel like my schedule is just so go, go, go. And I need to like allow myself to relax more and just take a step back sometimes. Um, yeah. But I think that's so interesting, like the elimination diet aspect. So I've dealt with like gut issues for as long as I can remember, I think since like eighth grade, probably. Um, and then I never actually went to like a doctor for it until probably like a year and a half ago. And they like diagnosed me with IBS, but they never really brought up like the diet aspect. They kind of just like gave me like some medication. Um, and I was like, like, okay, like, and I took the medication for like a few months and then I just got sick of it. And I think, like you said, it is like flare ups, like random, like I'll be fine for two months. And then like, there'll be a week where it's terrible type of thing. And it's so weird, but I think it is definitely very related to stress for me as well. The name of the game with dietetics though, every dietetic student that I talk to has like 17 things going on and we are just really high achievers. So I feel like not only is it kind of the profession, but also the schooling and internship stuff that they put us through. So it's kind of a culmination of all of it. Luckily, we're able to kind of tease it out on our own as well. So we're able to really hone in on like what the foods are. So kind of going on this low FODMAP diet, I was low-key excited because I got to learn more about like our profession and how I can actually apply it to my clientele in the future. Um, Obviously, I would never recommend this to anyone unless you need it because it's so restrictive right now. Right. It's not forever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It is super interesting being, being able to apply the science. Like right now we're in my medical nutrition therapy class. We're learning about GI and we're in our GI unit. And it's, it's so interesting when it actually applies to you. I love, I like feel like a nerd. I like nerd out on it when (laughs) I'm learning about it, but yeah, it's funny. So kind of, I guess, circling back a little bit. So you mentioned how the smallest and thinnest version of yourself wasn't ideal, obviously. And it's easy to get caught up in that mindset and get caught up in even the numbers game of like seeing the scale go down and like viewing that as an achievement and things like that. But I also think that thin bodies and like, I guess, quote unquote, skinny bodies are also kind of like glorified, especially in the media and things like that. I think we're doing better at veering away from it, but also I think it's pretty prevalent still. Um, So could you maybe talk about some of the side effects that you felt like when you were at your thinnest and like what those side effects are and just like things that people don't typically talk about, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So consequences of being skinny, it's really just like not worth it. I basically killed myself to get this thigh gap that I saw all over Tumblr because all these (laughs) post their little hot dog legs on the beach and my thighs would always touch and they would always have a gap and I always wanted that so I would run a 5k every day non-negotiable that was my thing I had an elliptical at my house and I would book it like every day um and then when I was actually not necessarily diagnosed but when my parents knew that like there is a problem I would wake up like early so they wouldn't realize that I was working out. So not only do mental shifts start to happen, but then my body started taking a toll. So I used to have like long hair. It was nice hair. And then it all started falling out. I had to go to bed at like 7 PM because I had no energy whatsoever. I was moody. I was irritable. I was food focused. And then a food pusher. I don't know if you like relate to this, but 
all the foods you wouldn't let yourself eat, you would make other people eat them and then be like, oh my God, how is it? Is it good? Describe it to me. Like (laughs) weird, weird stuff. But yeah, like you love like cooking and like cooking for others. I feel like, like I naturally now, like in a good mental place, I enjoy cooking for others, but I'm going to eat the food too. But I remember in the past, like I would just be like, mom, do you want me to cook dinner for you? And then like, I wouldn't want to eat it. Yeah, that's weird. But yeah bring these like decadent ass brownies to class never touch them but just because I wanted to make them for people so that they would eat it so just weird tendencies that you see like even in people that prep but this fine line we got but um yeah with all of that like my skin was just not where it was and then like my joints hurt my recovery was absolute crap I had to get a massage like all the time because my thighs would just be so tight from running and my massage therapist was literally like dude you have to stop like (laughs) you have to stop doing this because your thighs will not relax right now Mm -hmm. so I think it's just something that not a lot of people see because they only see the outside of it but I feel like something that's really being brought to the forefront of society right now is that there can be like health at any size, like at multiple sizes. I have seen clinically obese people have stellar, like perfect health markers. So the fact that we are basing health off of like judging the book by its cover, by looking at someone and seeing the thigh gap, seeing the six pack abs and they're like, they are healthy. And then seeing someone that's like, a size 12 and being like, they are not, I guarantee you the person that's a size 12 is going to have 10 out of 10 better health markers than the person that's absolutely shredded. Mm-hmm. But also in our society, I feel like we're definitely shifting from the kind of twiggy esque, super skinny thing that was big in like the 1920s and then the nineties and all of that were kind of coming full circle just like we did from the 20s to the 50s when Marilyn Monroe was like the epitome of beauty she was curvy she was womanly we're kind of coming back and shifting that way again and obviously trends all are cyclical but I feel like we also get so wrapped up in just our society and if you take a step back and look at other cultures like other cultures value being heavier and value curves and Mm -hmm. like bigger thighs and a bigger butt and even like the bigger lips thing I actually had a follower dm me and kind of open my eyes to this because I talked about the same thing on my story and Mm -hmm. I I was like yeah society makes us feel this way and he's like actually it's your society it's like Mm -hmm. the whitewashed society because if you 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 look at like afrocentric societies that's always been in we haven't opened our eyes to it. So that yeah. was something that was super eye-opening for me. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting to think about. I haven't thought about that either. And it is such like a cycle almost because, yeah, it's constantly changing. And the issue with, yes, okay, so yes, women are naturally supposed to be like curvier and things like that's just how we're built. Like we're built with wider hips because we're meant to like have children and things like that. But then at the same time, like, genetics plays a role and not everyone is shaped that way. And then when society standards are constantly changing, someone is always going to feel like they're not enough or they're not 
perfect. And I just feel like the pursuit to always change your body isn't healthy. And that's not something that should be the focus. Like, I think the goal is just to like accept and respect your natural body and accept where it is and allow it to change if it needs to change things like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so also going alongside of that, um, I think weight is such a big focus. Like you mentioned, um, like a clinically obese person could even be healthier. Um, and that's basing it off weight and likely the BMI scale, which is dumb the way it is, I guess. But I know that you have also talked on your Instagram about just kind of like getting rid of numbers in general and like not being so number focused on the scale or on your calories, macros or whatever that may be. So if my audience is struggling with being numbers focused as well, because I definitely know that I was at one point, what are some of your top tips that you would say to kind of just like veer away from that and think more about not, not numbers, not aesthetics, things like that? Just like we mentioned before, it depends. It depends on the human. So Mm -hmm. I like, I'm sure that you are too, very data-driven, like likes to be nitpicky. That's why Mm -hmm. I like tracking macros when I'm in that phase. I'm not tracking right now, but when I track macros, I love data. So I love looking at the numbers. I love being exact. I loved like seeing fluctuations and being able to correlate that to what's going on in my body. So there would be certain times in the month where my weight would spike and I'd be like, oh, this is when I'm having my pseudo period because I didn't have when I was on birth control for a while. But um, for me, it was really cool to see the data. So somebody that is more type A might actually benefit more from weighing themselves every day to make peace with the scale so that they are able to see those correlations, to learn more data about themselves so that they can not text their coach and freak out every time the weight spikes. And then the coach has to talk them off the ledge. I really feel like education is empowering. So when people are able to learn that about themselves, now they're able to apply it themselves and rationalize in their own head before they absolutely freak out. So I feel like that can be a very powerful tool so that you're more consistent with it. You can actually see the fluctuation. So like if you have Chipotle one day and then you're up two pounds, you don't freak out that that two pound weight difference was the only day that you weighed in. So you're like, what am I doing wrong? You're actually able to see and draw correlations because the more you know, the more you know. Mm -hmm. Other people don't even weigh themselves. I have a client that literally like does not weigh herself. And we went through a full reverse diet, a full dieting phase, and we are back reverse dieting all without a scale because I don't think you necessarily need that. That's seriously just one data point for me. I consider more biofeedback way more important. So we look at like progress pictures because you and I can weigh the same amount and nobody would ever know by looking at our bodies. Mm -hmm. So I really want people to just remember that because you can weigh the same as five different people, five different women, men, it does not matter, but you all are going to have different bodies and that number is literally just what gravity decides to pull on you that that's all that it is so for me personally yeah I take it into account sometimes mainly if I see a weight spike I'm like oh this girl's on her period or something like that or if we're reverse dieting and her weight drops and I'm like oh that's a good sign that she needs more food but the amount of weight that I place in that versus how your body feels, how your clothes are fitting, 
What do your progress pictures look like? How are you sleeping? How's your digestion? How are your energy levels? Are you hitting mm-hmm. numbers? All of those things matter so much more than the number that we see on the scale, because I can guarantee you that your lightest weight is probably not where you feel your best anyways. Mm, 100%. Yeah, I love that. I like the thing that you said about the, that's just like what gravity decided to pull on you that day. I think that puts such a, uh, just broadens the focus on like what weight actually means. Like it's not as big of a deal as a lot of people think it to be. And also you mentioned like the two pound shift if you ate Chipotle or something like that. And I saw a post on Instagram actually last night and it was like, unless you're eating over like what you need by 3,500 calories, you're not actually gaining a pound in a day. Like so much of that is just water and fluid shifts in your body that it's constant. And like you said, like women, like on their cycle, things like that. It's not, it's easy to get freaked out. I feel like, but also like you have to think about all the different things that come into play, like you just mentioned. So yeah, I think that's super important. And then, okay. So one of the last questions that I wanted to touch on with you is, I feel like you have a really, you have a really strong dietetics knowledge. So I kind of want to ask you about like a few things about food. So obviously on the market, there are so many quote diet foods and low cal foods or whatever they may be, just they're all marketed in a certain way and it's all for business most likely. But so why would you say like some of these healthified foods, like actually aren't always healthier for us and how they aren't actually like fueling our body in the way that we need a lot of times and they're not satisfying us and things like that. So could you kind of just dive into why these healthified foods might not actually be the healthier option, even though they're marketed as so? Oh girl. Oh girl. So you can slap (laughs) labels on just about anything. The FDA does have some regulations on like what you can classify it as where like you have health claims or you have like actual composition claims or things like that. So something that you can slap on a pack of chicken, you could literally say high protein chicken, like no (laughs) Sherlock, of course it's Wait, wait, listen to this. Last week or a few weeks ago, I went to a restaurant and they had their grilled chicken sandwich named as keto grilled chicken. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Grilled chicken sandwich, keto. Right now. High protein is not keto. High protein is not keto. In keto, your caloric intake needs to be like 72 of absorbent amount of fat. So like 70 to like 80% of your diet needs to come from fat calories. So if you're eating too much protein, you're probably pulling yourself out of ketosis. Probably. Because a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to cut out carbs. And that means that I'm keto. No, that's not what that means. That means that you're low carb. If you go keto, that means that your protein needs to come down to like the lower end of the ADMR. Yes. Or is it AMDR? I always get that confused. AMDR. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you have to pull it down (laughs) to like that 15, 20%. And then carbs are literally like three to 5% of your intake. And the rest of that is fat. Like literally you don't understand that you will be eating hard boiled eggs with a cup of mayonnaise. And like, that's keto. People just <laughs> Yeah. So with Very other, true. Like health claims, not only are quote unquote diet foods 
they don't just don't taste as good as the real thing. So you're probably going to be left unsatisfied, but the amount of artificial crap that they put into those things, especially with IBS, I know that you feel me on these quest bars, man, but like, I, used oh God. To, I still like kind of miss them because I like the taste of them, but the amount of gastrointestinal distress that it caused me with like 14 grams of fiber and grams one, of fiber. Holy crap. Like not only is it not naturally derived fiber, it's artificial fibers because when you swap sugars for like artificial sweeteners that are also a fiber source, it doesn't quote unquote digest the same in the body. So that's why people track like net carbs because they think that they're not absorbing all of those calories. But is it really worth it if you're going to spend four hours on the toilet and it does not taste like a normal Oreo would. Another thing is that when people are left unsatisfied, you end up eating more anyway. So you could eat an entire pint of Halo Top and spend three hours on the toilet and still want the creamy ass briars that you wish you had anyways. And if you yeah. don't have any health contraindications. So um, obviously as a dietitian, I like my spectrum is so much more broad than it was before. So you realize that some people have actual diseases or allergies or sensitivities or reason that you can't have the normal thing. So that's why I feel like all the alternatives out there on the market are absolutely great for people that absolutely need them. However, if you are just trying to avoid eating the real thing, odds are you're going to have that pint of halo top and then you're probably going to make a protein shake and then you might have like fat-free ready whip to the face out of the can and then end up eating the briars because you crave that creaminess you crave that satiety that comes from it so you end up eating like double the amount and then ending up having the real thing when right one body would have just felt better by eating the real thing you would have satisfied your cravings and you would have moved on and I feel like labels really, really get us because they can just slap whatever label they want on it, upcharge it by like 30% and people are 100% going to buy it. Even though it might not be the most optimal for your body, it might not even have changed the ingredients in what it is. Like I said, people can call it high protein chicken. No shit, it's literally chicken. It's only a protein source. So it's really important that as consumers, we educate ourselves on what the nutrient composition of foods are, how it serves our bodies, how foods actually make us feel. I feel like that's something that gets really lost in the sauce when we track macros. So something that I really focus on with my clients is we have questions in our check-in sheet about what foods made you feel great this week? What foods did you eat that made you feel awesome? And sometimes it's like, oh, I had the best pump. I had a pre-workout Oreo, but most of the time it's like, I have this meal of chicken and sweet potato and I added more vegetables in and I have all of this energy. And then the foods that made them feel badly are like, you know, I used to eat fried shrimp all the time and now I just don't feel as great when I eat that. So your body really does come around to recognizing what foods actually serve it and craving those foods more. There's actually mm. science behind like the gut microbiota and all that, but that's a story for Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's really is. It's all about the variety of foods too. And that's what helps your gut out too, is having a variety because it feeds all the different bacteria in there for sure. Like you said, with those, I don't know, I mean, you use Halo Top, like th those foods just lack the satisfaction 
factor, I think. And for so long, I remember just thinking I could only eat the diet version of ice cream and things like that. And I was never fully satisfied. And then once I allowed myself to eat like normal ice cream, graters is my thing. That's a thing here in Ohio. And like, I just eat that now. And I'm like, wow, like I actually feel good after eating that. And like, it's perfectly fine. It's not going to change anything about my body. It's not going to change anything about my worth or like literally anything. Like these alternatives, usually they're just adding more calories to it because they have to add the protein. And then because they're taking out the carbs, it has a weird ass texture. So they have to add like fillers and weird fats to stick in there to give it the same kind of appeal that the normal thing does. So if you actually look at it, a lot of your quote unquote, like high protein granola bars or even ice creams or your Lenny and Larry's cookies, honey, please look at the label because you're probably eating like triple the amount of calories when you could have just had the Subway chocolate chip cookie, which are fire. Let me tell you, yes, could have just had that for the same amount of calories, if not less, and it's going to be better. Yeah, 100%. And to go along with that, even like right now, so we're learning about GI, so we're learning about gluten-free because people with celiac disease have to go on gluten-free diets. But the thing about, as a dietitian, it is our job to provide that nutrition education because when people go on these diets and aren't actually like diagnosed with like a medical um, indication to go on the diet, they don't understand the nutrient analysis and everything that's in the food. And a lot of times these gluten-free foods or these processed foods take out a lot of nutrients and vitamins and you can become deficient in all these vitamins that people don't realize. Like so many of those foods are very, very low in iron and B vitamins. Like you can literally become anemic and not realize and think that you're actually doing something for your health when it's actually gonna have worse consequences, worse consequences in the long run. So another big thing that we see because becoming plant-based is becoming way more popular. And obviously as dietitians, we think that that's incredible. It should be. But if you think that you need to go vegan to lose weight, that's where we're kind of getting lost. So there are so many health benefits to incorporating more beans and legumes, to eating more plants throughout our day, incorporating them more at our meals, getting away from having the 16 ounce steak at every meal. It does have positive health correlations. But when you're cutting out like all sources of meat and you don't ethically or medically need to, you're losing out on a lot of B vitamins and a lot of minerals. I know that I personally was so, so deficient in so many things. Obviously I was disordered as fuck, but also because I was thinking that like gluten-free, low fat, low carb and plant-based, that's what I was trying to eat. I ended up eating like one next to nothing. And then you're not getting all of the nutrients that you need. So when we're chronically dieting and starving ourselves, you're not going to be able to get in all of the minerals, all of the vitamins, all the phytochemicals, polyphenols, all of those things that you actually need in your body. You won't actually get all of them in because Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, the RDAs are way more high than you think that they are. I did not realize that the RDA for potassium was that high. I'm lucky if I get like half of it in (laughs) and I love fruits and vegetables. So people that genuinely just aren't aware, you could be doing more harm than good by trying to place yourself in this really restrictive box without knowing what actually goes into it and what your body needs in all phases of your dieting. And when I say diet, I mean like the food that you're intaking. Right. 
doesn't necessarily have to mean caloric restriction. I feel like it's synonymous right now, but diet is literally just your way of eating. So when I say diet, that's what I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then also just going back to when you're not getting those minerals and vitamins and things that you need, that circles back to our conversation earlier about the side effects of things. Like you mentioned, like hair falling out, like skin, not looking well and things like that. So it can manifest in physical ways as well, which no one wants when their ultimate goal is actually to like change and alter their physical appearance. So just um, some few things to think about, I guess, before you hop on the diet train or like those marketing trends. (laughs) Okay. Well, I feel like I could go on about that forever, but um, we'll kind of wrap up here. So my first question for you is not my first question. We've been all over the place, but you know what I mean? Is um, advice that you would have given your younger self. Don't be afraid of food. Um, it's actually really great for you. It can actually do a lot of amazing things for you. No one's actually looking at you in the gym. No one actually gives a crap about what you're doing. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Honestly, like the smallest version of yourself is not the best version of yourself. You don't have to make yourself smaller to be the best version of yourself, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I mean this in all aspects of my life because I have definitely dumbed myself down to fit into a box. I've dieted myself down to fit into a box. You shouldn't be nothing less than fully 100% uniquely you. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's okay to take up space and it's okay to be loud, be yourself, like say what you think and things like that. Don't, don't feel like you need to fit into those smaller boxes. Yeah. Yeah. That's super, super empowering. Okay. And then the last one is what would you say is a quote that you live by or just one of your favorite quotes? Not a quote. It is a Bible verse. And this comes from the message Bible and it's Romans 12, 5b through 6a. So halfway in between the two verses, but this just lights my soul on fire every time that I hear it. And I wish that I could say it to everybody. And it reads, so since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Mm. I love that. Yeah, so true. It's the comparison trap is so prevalent. And yeah, I love that that's a Bible verse as well. That's super special. And so last thing is if people listening just want to find you or maybe are interested in being coached by you or anything like that, where can people find you or contact you? You can find me on the gram. My handle is Caroline Biddle Fit, all one word. Last name is B-I-D-D-L-E. Last name is just Biddle. People call me Biddle Fit all the time. They think that's my actual last name. <laughs> it is not. And then my brand is Carbs and Confidence. Like literally nothing special. Spell out the word and carbs and confidence. You can shoot me a message on either one of those platforms. I love to connect with people. Like shoot me a message that you listen to this, that this resonated with you. I would love to like speak life into you on your journey if you're struggling with eating more, whatever that looks like. But I share a good bit of my life over there. So I would love to connect with you guys. Yeah, perfect. And definitely go follow her. And I'll also be sure to like link your Instagram in the show notes and everything so people can just hit a link there. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Caroline. Thank you for having me. Of course.
Thank you all for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it or if you learned something, feel free to leave a rating. It just takes two seconds and a review if you feel inclined to do that as well. Also, feel free to screenshot the show and post it up on your Instagram story and tag Caroline and I so that we can see that you're listening and supporting us. It truly means so much to me when you guys let me know that you're listening. I love it because I do it for you guys anyways. Um, But yeah, anyways, thanks again and we'll chat soon.